thank everyone for joining us to celebrate the proudest moment in East Town sports history. And finally, Miss Lady Hawk herself, Mayor Shin. See this yet? Big write-up in the Tribune. I'm gonna frame it and hang it up in your office. Yeah, please don't. My daughter's been missing for exactly one year, and the police aren't doing anything. How's your mother doing? She's being the hero. <laughs> yeah. the house is my ex-husband to move into. He has to buy the one right behind mine. Well, I heard he got a really good deal on it. <laughs> The Easttown Police Department received a call reporting a dead body in Creedham Creek. We've decided to bring in a county detective to assist with the case. How do you like working with my mom so far? We're just getting started out. Any tips? Lower your expectations. Should we do this outside? No. All right. Let's go. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mayor, what's, what's happening? She knows what's, what's happening, Tony. Okay. She knows. Mayor, All right, let's go. Are you friends with these people? Yeah. Why do they call you Lady Hawk? I made a shot in a basketball game. Must have been some shot. Around here, yeah. The terrible events of this past year have ravaged this community. Yeah? Who did this? You get this son of a bitch. Because if you don't, I'll kill him myself. I can feel it. This expectation from people to be something I don't think I'm good enough to be. Hey! I think you're a hero. Phil, I'm a fool. You're a lot of things I don't like, but you're not a fool. It might be a good thing to step away. I know what you've been through, and I know you're worth saving. Recommit yourself. I'm gonna find out everything. Every thing. is Killer Casting. I'm this is Betty. I'm the casting director in Los Angeles, and I have cast many, many detectives, many, many suspects, many, many victims. And I've cast, cast many, many teenagers and shady characters and guilt-ridden husbands. And I mention this because we're about to jump into a show that I've just watched the first two episodes of and I'm so interested to talk about it is right in my wheelhouse and it is called the mayor I know sorry it's not called the it's called mayor of east town and it's on HBO max and I wanted to talk about there's so many things about the first episode I wanted to talk about and then the second episode I wanted to talk about um things that I noticed, things that are very particular for this kind of a show, especially when you have a gigantic star heading the cast like Kate Winslet. And I wanted to get online with the beasts and get their point of view and talk it through. So please say hello to my sexy beasts. Go ahead, guys. Hey, hey Brian A. Hill. What's going on? Good to see you, hear you, talk to you. Dean Laffin coming from Melbourne, pleased to say that my pissing and moaning about the coldness of Melbourne has been relieved, but it's a nice sunny day. I'm looking out of my balcony going, yeah, this is more like it. This is more like Australia. So I'm a bit happier. I'm a happy camper today. It's all good. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, it's so funny, guys, because I've watched uh, Mayor of Easttown, you know, starring Kate Winslet, and then I've also... Um, watch the first three episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Do either of you guys watch Handmaid's Tale? I have not. Wow. I don't know if I, I, don't know it if I is, can. It's, that's... Yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. But for me to watch two shows, you know, with such strong actresses in the lead and, you know, driving 
oh, as driving forces in the drama and and women who have suffered so much and are not giving up and are taking care of as many fucking people as they can. Um, it's it's just great. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, maybe this is really sexist, but it's so heartening for me to see that represented. You know, they're not victims. And to me, as Dean knows, victim is not a dirty word for me. Victim is a badge of honor. Um, but they are champions. They're survivors. They're hard as fuck. And um, I love seeing that. And nobody's depending on anybody to rescue them. And that's just a very important representation, you know, for me to see. But anyway, okay, so let's get into Mayor of Easttown. Okay, so this is like... This must have been a dream come true for HBO Max to have landed Kate Winslet to do this series. Um, it's not based on a true story. It is um, from the imagination of Brad Inglesby. He has a, uh, you know, he, this is his first series that he's written. He's written some other films before and has a relationship with the production companies. But this is his first swing. And woo, he swung and he got himself Kane's, Kate Winslet. And and Guy Pierce, um, who are the, probably the biggest names in the cast, and I want to talk about the casting now. Guy Pierce and Kate Winslet did something else together. Um, they did Mildred Pierce in 2011. I did not see Mildred Pierce. I don't know if you guys did, um, but you know, Kate Winslet, she's a she's a bona fide A-list movie star. You know, she doesn't do television if you want to call this tv very often so it's it's a big deal to get her and um it's very it's a very delicate proposition to cast around somebody who's this big of a star i think i don't know brian what do you think about that well it's you know here's the thing that's so funny so i did a little <clears throat> did a little digging and apparently hbo was initially hesitant by the fact that this character was going to be without makeup, like unwashed hair and like with unlikable qualities, which given what we talked about with Nomadland, you know, I think is really interesting that there's still this inclination in the realm of decision makers to like, oh, th this notion of likability or like being made yeah. up, like that's still... Gussy it up. Yeah, yep, that's, yep. That, that undermines the storytelling potentially. And I think that it's awesome that yeah. she fought for it. She was in a position of power. She was an EP. She could fight for it and get it, you know? Right, right, right. So, you know, and even for me, even though she's, I, I read that too, right? And I, even for me, she's a little too made up for me, even given the circumstance, but that's okay. It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see, I can, and I can see that her hair looks a little too perfectly highlighted, but that's okay. Well, let's start from the beginning. So yeah, so we have Kate Winslet. Now, I don't know for you guys, but for me in the beginning, and this is not any fault of her own, it takes me a while to settle in when it's somebody that big. You know what I mean? Um, I love the beginning uh, of the episode. It starts off with this kind of blue, smoky fog, and you just see shots of the town. And I don't know where the fuck we are. I mean, someplace, it feels like someplace in the, in the uh, northeast. It's in Pennsylvania. You know? Right. I know it's set in Pennsylvania, but you don't know yeah, that right. at first, okay. you know. And so we're, like, you know, somebody like me who's lived in the northeast, I'm going to be like, okay, that's that's somewhere. This is not in California. This is not in Florida. It's not in Arizona. So in Texas. Um, and so it's got a great, um, like, just blue, smoky vibe to it. Um, and the show starts with a scream. A scream. You don't know who's screaming. You don't know what's going on. And then there's a cell phone that rings. And there's Kate Winslet waking up like, who the fuck is calling me? Um, and, and uh, you know, we'll talk about the things that happen in this first episode. But for me, when you see Kate Winslet, it's like... You know, and you're really going to be listening to her accent very closely, right? And is she getting, I mean, she's played in an American many, many times before, but is she really getting wherever the hell this is supposed to be? Is she getting the dialect? Is she getting the swagger? Is she settling in? Um, if you think about those first couple scenes where, she, you know, she wakes up, she's called to the house of some old lady, you don't know what's going on, she's like knocking on the door, and this great 
face, towny, older lady comes to the door to let her in and say, oh, there was a peeper, you know, peeping Tom at my door. And things are, you know, you start to realize, oh, okay, she's a cop and she knows everybody in the town. So they just call her on her cell phone. You know, I mean, how did you, how did you um, ease into the beginning scenes, if you can remember? What cracks me up about your opening comments there, Lisa, was that you spoke about, you know, her accent and is she going to nail it and whatever. That's very specific to your job, right? Because I didn't think about that. You know, to my Australian ears, it's, it's, it's a, I know she's British and she's doing an American accent. Um, but I guess I don't know that Northeastern accent the way that it should be you know it's not as um uh, no it's just no, here's the thing it so dean it's a specific accent to pa to pennsylvania right so like how they say hoagie like hoagie it's really like at the front of their mouth i mean it's and everybody in the cast like has moments where you hear that west pa like accent come through. But I wouldn't know what that was. I wouldn't know what West PA is for yeah. sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Dean. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a, it, it's an insight. Uh, thank you. But, uh, but, but one that the rest of the world would not probably clock, right? It's just, you know, it, it, it's not as exaggerated as, you know, Marge Gun, uh, Gunderberg, um, the lovely Francis. Um, it, it's not like that. It, it's something else. But but the way that she took the call, uh, and, and in answer to your question, Lisa, she is instantly world-weary mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. from the fucking get-go. You know, yeah. she answers the call. She goes out there. Um, uh, she's been through this, obviously, you know, hundreds of times. And then, you know, w- when the wife says, "Oh, just, just, just wait here, wait here. I'll help him go and get," and she goes upstairs and she's gone. <laughs> she closes the door and she's gone. She's like, "Been through this shit before. I don't need to hear this again. I don't need to see this again." And and I just. I was so impressed by uh, her willingness and openness to just play this person that is so clearly uh, just, you know, has been hit by life. As, as as we all do. Right. And we don't know yet what mm. has hit her, what kind of Mack trucks has hit her, but definitely the beginning and and Dean in the beginning of these kinds of shows, because they're so in my wheelhouse, I am looking for how they reveal the exposition. You know, how do we find out who the fuck these people are? Um, so it's just very interesting how you, you even find out that she's a detective, mm. how you find out that they're, that what makes this day unlike every any other day? Because she probably gets these calls all the time. Yeah, this is just like part of her, her day. Um, where she's got to respond to like some random call. And but today we find out is a different day because she's getting some kind of honor today. We don't exactly know what it is, but but something is happening. Um, and I just love that that first little towny um, actress. Oh, shoot, I should have written down her name. But um, what I notice is immediately they start to to surround Kate Winslet with actors who are just, town i mean townie is i don't know right is there a different word for townie that i'm not thinking of like these character actors that will just um settle her into this world you know what i mean yeah it's it's weird that uh, this may seem like a big jump but it uh lisa earlier on you mentioned um uh the handmaiden's tale and even from the first half an hour of the show it reminded me of top of the lake i don't know why with elizabeth Mm -hmm. moss uh Hmm. with elizabeth moss okay um directed by jane campion set in new zealand Uh, it just had that same sort of small town vibe sort of a thing going on Mm -hmm. and i i I don't know why i made that sort of connection but i did (laughs) It reminded me of Happy Valley, Dean, and a lot of people who watch crime shows 
will know the the word Happy Valley starring Sarah Lancashire, which is a very popular British um, series. This this has a lot of the same hallmarks of that show, like a weary um, woman who's taking on, as we find out, mm. her grandson. Um, uh, anyway, a lot of people mentioned that to me. Um, anyway, so, uh, Brian, did you yeah, have something? Yeah, this was, actually, this was my thought. Like, this is, for me, especially towards the tail end of episode one and certainly episode two, like, my feeling, like, right off the bat was, this is what, like, this is what I wish people would do. Instead of taking a show like Broadchurch, right, and just taking that whole idea wholesale and putting it in like a seaside place and making it broad church, but for the U.S. Instead of doing that, do a do something similar, but in this in a, in this American environment. And to me, this show like is the show that Broad Church America edition wanted to be. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like it has all of the, sure. it has like all of the hallmarks of the detective coming in from out of you know from out of town into this this uh, ecosystem that has established people and like, mm -hmm. and the secrets and everything like all, I mean, it was like, and I feel like if they had, if they had scrapped the idea of like, okay, let's just transpose or let's just transport broad church to, you know, a U.S. seaside resort or whatever, and just taken broad church out of it and just made this people, I think would have like, Oh, this is great. They would have come around to it instead of it, well, there there are other problems in the American version of Broadchurch, which I won't get into, but I know a lot about. But uh, anyway, um, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I I know what yeah. you mean. Um, the one thing we learn about about Kate Winslet's character, you know, who's mayor, she, I mean, her response to things are is so she's crotchety, she's direct, she's no nonsense, <laughs> she's not, you know, taking anybody by the hand, which is great and it's weird to see Kate Winslet doing that because we're used to her being you know a much softer character so still I love her and I love the setup but I'm still watching it you know scene by scene going uh am I buying this am I in it yet like am I in it yet or do I keep being pulled out of it and I struggled with that and that's not her fault I you know that's my fault that I can't like like I, if I'd never seen a Kate Winslet movie before, would I have that same reaction? But these are the things, Dean, that casting directors have to think about. You know, what is the casting right. doing mm. to the audience? So, you know what I mean? uh, so, so, um, so I guess my ignorance is because <laughs> I, I, I don't have to deal with that. I, I can just watch it and and enjoy it. Well, I mean, it's what they're doing is, is I love what they're doing because, look, you could have cast all of the roles with big, fat fucking movie stars, right? And they don't. They, and we'll get into the casting in a minute, they have the most stalwart, we call them horses when you're in theater, like a horse in the theater. You know what I'm talking about, Brian? Mm, yeah. Is somebody who, like, just works and works and works, mostly in obscurity, but is so... I mean, the guy who plays the chief of police, this African-American, he's an actor, he's an African-American actor, he's fucking won a Tony, an Obie, a Jeff Award. He's, uh, you know, he's like the, one of the most accoladed John, actors. John Douglas Thompson. Yes. Um, they surround her with these hardcore New York actors. I mean, and we'll get to them in a second, but, you know, Julianne Nicholson, who was incredible in The Outsider, Masters of Sex. Um, Jean Smart, who has a new movie coming out. You know, she's she's really well known for a lot of movies, but she's done Broadway and, and everything. Well, and you know, David have, Denman. Well, and who would have guessed I mean, that Jean Smart, like think about the last 15 years, like she is Noah Hawley's go-to. Like mm -hmm. she's done... She's done uh, one season of Fargo. She did uh, Legion. Yeah. I mean, like, she's like, of all the women who came out of Designing Women, I don't know if anybody said, like, oh, 30 years from now, Jean Smart's going to be the one who's, like, really killing it. You know what I mean? And she is. She oh, is, she's the go-to she person. Totally next to it. Sharon Lawrence. Next to Sharon. I mean, every list in this age mm. range, she's at the top of the list. 
So, so, so you're saying that these are these are people that are even below the level of that guy or that girl. Is well, that right? I, I guess what I'm saying is, like we is... spoke about that last week. It's like, oh, because people go, like even I would go, oh, yeah, that guy. But no, you're saying even below that. It, not below. Well, I'm Be- just below that... sounds wrong, but well, yeah, but not, you know it's what not I really mean. wrong, but it's just yeah, I know what you're saying. So like next to Kate Winslet to play King uh Kate Winslet's mom, they didn't get fucking Emma Thompson, you know. They didn't get like an 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 A-list film actress to surround the cast in the way that like Big Little Lies, you know, you have Reese Witherspoon, what's her fuck and what's her fuck and what's her fuck, you know. They're really surrounding Kate Winslet with with just these, I, I I can't. All I can say is they're workhorses. Well, I know that sounds terrible. That's what we call yeah. them in the theater. Well, this is, but this is the thing too. So like, let's take Nomadland. Just since we talked about it, let's say mm-hmm. that they decided. You know what? Let's get Angelina Jolie. No makeup. Dress her just exactly <laughs> right. like they did. Just exactly like they did with no makeup and all that. Nobody mm-hmm. would buy her in that because right. because of mm. like her her pedigree before that people buy Frances McDormand because of like the body of work that she has she Mm -hmm. I think she's an A-list movie star but she has a body of work that people go oh yeah she's a real person Angelina Jolie is in the fucking stratosphere like she is Mm -hmm. otherworldly she is an A yeah you may as well get Jennifer Lawrence you may as well get Jennifer Lawrence to this (laughs) or you know there's just there's just some there's just some like casting that just like I mean, Angelina Jolie would have been an awesome. I mean, like I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, that would be an awesome get for Nomadland," but would it work? Absolutely not. I don't think. Right. You know. Right. Right. Forget it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so moving on, just I'm just finishing this conversation about who they're surrounding Kate Winslet with. You know, David Denman, eight. You know, graduated from ACT, Juilliard, and what is his claim to fame? Playing Roy on The Office, who's like the biggest dumb fuck. You know. <laughs> He's wonderful. He's this wonderful, gentle giant. Um, and the only really big, I mean, of course, Guy Pierce is an A-list actor, no, no doubt about it. And Evan Peters kind of goes back and forth between very, very high-profile television with Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story and and uh, the X-Men. Pose. Can I interject okay. with my Guy it. Pierce story, Please. which is Please. Yeah, which is that um, Please. Uh, uh, a million years ago, I was living in St Kilda, uh, which is a suburb in Melbourne, and I'm a huge fan of uh, James Elroy. And he was appearing in uh, – so he was the author, by the way, of of the L.A. Quartet, one of which is uh, L.A. Confidential, the mm. books. And he was appearing um, at, at my local mm-hmm. bookstore, and so I went – down there specifically to chat with him, and I did. And he said to me, "Oh wow, yeah, we've you know we're we're making a movie of uh, L.A. Confidential, and we've just cast these two Aussie guys." And my heart sank. I mean, this is the uh, mid '90s, and I'm like, "Oh, really?" To uh, so it's going to be a B movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a crock of shit, <laughs> right? Little, and then he says, "Yeah, uh, uh, Guy Pierce and um, this other guy." Um, he couldn't re- <laughs> remember his name, and I was like, uh, "Okay, Russell Crowe." And so when the film came out, I was floored uh-huh. at how good it was. Curtis Hanson did a great job, R.I.P. Um, and but to think that he'd cast these two Aussie guys to play such a, um, you know, a, a classically LA um, uh, story uh, was like, oh, this is not going to work. There's no way this is going to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, 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 yeah. which explains why I'm not so a producer of films <laughs> or a casting agent. <laughs> well, I, this is where. I really wish Emily Schweber were here right now because she cast L.A. Confidential and she was there when they auditioned. She was in the room with them when they auditioned and she has told me a story about she was running the camera standing next to Guy Pierce as he was reading opposite 
of Russell Crowe. And she said Guy Pierce's jaw was so tight that she could hear his teeth gritting. You know, but anyway, so she's got she's got great stories from that um, from that experience. Anyway, that's why I love her. And she's the best. Particularly that scene uh, when uh, Russell Crowe is interviewing the suspects of the Nighthawk shooting. It's just, you know, and then he and he and he breaks the chair with his hand. It's just like, OK, I was wrong. He was the right guy for the role. Right. Absolutely spectacular and uh, and, and a great ensemble <laughs> yeah. cast as well. Anyway, that's a bit of a diversion. So, so then the next person we meet in this show is Erin, right? This teenager. She's on her back in her room and she's kind of talking to somebody. Kind of, you don't know who she's talking to, but she's kind of like, I'm going to miss you so much. I'm going to miss you kissing me. I'm going to miss you this and that. And you realize she's talking to a very young toddler, you know, establishes her as this young, probably a teenage mom, just talking to her little boy. So that was really interesting to me the way that they introduce her character. Um, and then we go on. You know, we see Kate Winslet, her, you know, her character of Mare in the station. There's all these great townies in there. Jan, the receptionist who says, hey, Mare, you got a call from so-and-so. And, you know, and Mare is uh, reporting on the, the peeping Tom. And then she sees this press conference. And the, and the next big character we're introduced to is Dawn, who is um, this woman who is looks like she's suffering terribly from uh, cancer treatments and her daughter is missing and she's having a press conference saying I'm still looking for my daughter and the police don't care and it's so funny because Kate Winslet's response Mayor's response is just so cold just really cold when she watches that press conference and she tells her chief yeah yeah they're never gonna find her you know she's she's a junkie she's a prostitute she's it was very very just dismissive and cold, which I thought was, it's just interesting. It just reveals the character, you know, it just starts to reveal. And the chief is like, look, you better get your shit together. We're going to, we're going to keep searching for this girl. And we're probably going to be bringing in a detective from somewhere else to, to help you. Uh, this next scene, I love this next scene. So it's Aaron who we've established is, is this teen mom and she goes to the door and her baby daddy is at the door. Right. And, uh, his name is Dylan. I mean, if there's ever a douchebag name, it's (laughs) Dylan, right? That's like this, the best name. If you're just a pile of crap. And I love this actor. And, uh, uh, by the way, apologies to all the Dylans. Yes. Apologies. Apologies. Um, (laughs) But, you know, he's just got this look on his face like, you know, yeah, I'm here to pick up my fucking kid from you. I mean, the scene is just so brilliant because it's a scene mm. about a bunch of teenagers who are dealing with grown up things, you know, but their behavior is still so juvenile. I mean, Brian, when I saw this kid, so this guy, Dylan, I, this actor was also in a show called The Society where he played the exact opposite. He was just such a sweetie, you know, in the closet teenage guy. And now he's just playing this dude who's like, I, I mean, what did you think when you saw this kid at the door? When you asked the question, what were my, you know, like settling into the show? Like I, the second episode, I really, like once I kind of, grabbed onto the broad church compare like that connection i was like oh okay this was the problem that i had with the beginning though was like hollywood undertaking to tell us all about the opioid crisis in that part of the country i don't think hollywood necessarily does a great job of dramatizing like what that crisis looks like like the the kind of shorthand of like babies having babies you know like Everybody is really young to have children, like everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, there's some scenes at the top that seemed like I went back and watched the first 20 minutes of the show. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm in it, it feels less like it. But my initial reaction was like, okay, I don't need another hillbilly elegy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need it. No, I didn't see that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need another kind of like, you know, like broad strokes of like what's happening in 
Pennsylvania and the Rust Belt because of the opioid crisis, which I think but they try to do so because of the brother. I didn't feel anything the about black, the, the, the uh, Her black friend with the brother who, like, steals. Uh-huh. Like, like, yeah. e- like, the fact of the missing girl was a known drug addict. They're talking about, like, yeah. needle exchanges between here and there. I mean, it's all about, mm-hmm. like, the crisis in the Rust Belt. Like, the opioid crisis hit West Virginia, PA, those parts of the country exponentially right. harder because there was an influx of product into those yeah. areas. And it's it's really at a crisis point. And so I, using that as a kind of like backdrop to kind of tell us about the town, I, I felt was unnecessary. Because once we got in, like, like the first 20 minutes, I could have done without completely. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the bulk of the story of just like, you know, she's a, she's like this, small town girl who stayed in a small town was a hero right and is like stuck you know what yeah. i mean like to me and and that people are stuck in these like hamlets in this part mm-hmm. of the country to me that's that's when it became interesting and not the like you know we've got junkies who are robbing from family like to me yeah, that's not what I'm. T- yeah, I hear that. That's not the scene that I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about the scene between these three teenagers. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. But that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, but- it's again. It is. It's a kind of shorthand of like babies having babies because Mare was a baby who had a baby who then also had a baby, right? Yeah, that's, we don't know that yet. But but yeah, um, I just love the interplay in this scene of this young girl who's like still got all of these teenage impulses, you know, but she's still trying to be a mom. And this ridiculous argument that happens when she comes outside where the girlfriend in the truck is like, fuck you, slut, you know, and all of this like just infantile exchange. And like Dylan is like, dude, you know, just like trying to hang back from it and like let the courts handle it. I just loved it because it was so juvenile. To me, Brianna, Mm -hmm. the character Brianna, like she is like, the people that I know who are like from Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Or from West P- like Brianna, like most exemplifies that part of the world, period. <laughs> like that, I'm serious. Like that, that fucking mm-hmm. like, I'll, like, I'll cut you. Like I'll fight you. No, but I just, I love this scene. Just, I mean, I've cast a mil, I mean, and I've cast a million teenagers in these kinds of, of episodes. And this exchange, I thought was so, I mean, from the creator's point of view, so savvy because you're showing the juvenile emotions of these kids who have a baby to take care of. And Aaron is like, we need to get his ears fixed. And he's like, my fucking parents are going to pay for, I mean, just the, 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 the pettiness of the tone with the, the gravitas of the situation I thought was brilliant and I think represents a lot, a lot of towns. Um, I can remember I, I was I was all of 30, 33 when I had my child and I remember distinctly taking her out to the car, putting her in the baby carriage, going, how is anyone letting me <laughs> right, take this? Right. Like, I have no <laughs> idea. No fucking idea. I don't even know how to change. Yep. I've never changed yeah. a nappy yet. I've done nothing. Right. How is this even legal? Right. And I'm 32. And these, these as you I said, they're kids. I just love how in the short <laughs> time inside. that they were able, you know, with the casting, with the writing, with even just the set to show you who these kids were, that what they had been through. Mm. I mean, you can see their history, her getting knocked up, the the vitriol between the parents. I mean, that's what good writing does. You don't have to see the flashback. Okay, you know? and, and yeah, here's what? the thing. So Mackenzie Lansing, who plays Brianna, okay, so she grew mm-hmm. up between yeah, yeah, the yeah. Congo and a small town yep. outside of Paris. She's bilingual yep. French-American actress based in New York and LA. Holy cow. She began her theatrical career in Paris in 2006. And I like, wow, that's amazing. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then Kaylee Spaney, who plays Aaron, this is like one of the first things she's ever done. 
which I thought was also amazing. So that's, thank you, A.V. Kaufman. Fucking amazing casting and finding these people. Anyway, so I want to blitz through. So bloop, bloop, Um, Sorry, let me just find out where we are. Um, okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, like you said, Brian, you know, Mayor goes and, and you're introduced to everybody through these circumstances. You're introduced to Bethy, who's one of Mayor's really good friends because Mayor responds to... A burglary call, you know, uh, Bethy's brother has, you know, broken in and stolen some of her stuff. And you're, you're introduced to, you know, the people in the town. And clearly, Mayor knows most of the victims and all of the perpetrators. <laughs> you know, it's that small of a town. She knows exactly where to send them to go to the shelter. She knows, you know, she just knows this town. Um uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, this is kind of significant for me just because of my other podcast. So we see Aaron making mac and cheese for her father, right? He, you know, he comes in, he's dour, he gets the beer right away. He's like on, he digs at her constantly in this scene and she's almost shaking. Like she's serving him his mac and cheese and she's trying to sort of appease him and saying, yeah, you know, Dylan agreed to pay for the ear surgery for DJ, even though that's a total lie. You know, she's trying to keep him calm. Just her, I mean, it just makes you feel for her. You know, she she's getting no, I mean, obviously she's been abandoned by the kid who got her pregnant. Her father is incredibly sour and bitter that he has to take care of her and has to buy the groceries and buy the baby wipes and, you know, he complains to her for everything. And she's just trying to hold it together. Um, and you just really feel for this girl mm. just in two short scenes, you know, um, you get a sense of what her life is. Well, being put in the role of wife, right? Like the mm. wife, the wife is clearly gone for mm -hmm. dead or just gone. And she's making the meal. And it, it, it had like strong sexual abuse vibes. It had strong, like, because that, her cowering, all of that, like th this yeah. sense of dread in that mm. relationship yeah. was established. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was like, he's a bad, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy to her. Not just like, because he doesn't hit her. You know what I mean? It, the menace mm. is something. He doesn't have to. The menace right? is something more. The it's something more. The threat is right. there. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So the next chunk is all about Mare um, at home. So we really now get to know her. She comes home. She's got the aquarium for her grands. It's been revealed that she has a grandson. We don't know what that means yet, but she comes home. There's her grandson jumping on the table. There's somebody named Siobhan there. You don't, you know, it's just interesting how they take their time revealing who everybody is. And you have to kind of put the pieces together to figure out, oh, Siobhan is her daughter DJ is her grandson, but not Siobhan's son. Like he's not, she's not a teenage, you know, I just, I'm always very interested to how all of this gets relayed, you know, because in a, you know, in, a, in an episodic, you've got to get all this out in one episode and solve mm. the crime in one episode. So I'm always interested when you have a series that's going to take, a, you know, what happens to be a murder through a long arc, how all this is, is, uh, and then I love that she comes in. Jean smart is her mom, you know, who's, who's there, you know, at the table. Um, and then there's a Reverend there, Reverend Danny, who's her cousin and they're just digging at each other. And I just, I love that. I loved, you know, she digs it. Mayor digs at him for, you know, his faith and she, and he digs right back and he just keeps it, um, <laughs> very light like people who know each other can give each other shit and then we're introduced to the ex-husband Frank poor Frank played by the wonderful David Denman Juilliard grad um, comes in and is kind of very sheepishly revealing that yeah tonight's uh, the night of my <laughs> engagement party um, so you know, why is this day let, not like any other day? You know, Brian and I, as as writers, you know, we always ask that question. Um, so this day is not like any other day because it's the day where my ex-husband's, you know, 
having this party that I didn't know about that everybody I love is going to. And I'm having, you know, some kind of tribute at my high school that everybody else is going through. So that's kind of a, that's, that's a great opportunity for all kinds of drama and, and conflict. This is where I started getting really interested in the show. At this, I mean, at this, where I kind of like let go of the, where we started getting into the meat of things and seeing, like her interaction with, the mom of the of the missing girl, like and wanting to be right, you know what I mean? Like, um, yes, you know I love I mean? that. And like I love not wanting, that. not wanting to let it go. She, she can't wants, let go of it. She She's wants just to like be right in the worst way. She you know does, what I mean? yeah. Um, like I did everything I could. I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. She's and it's got and it's interesting. Justified. And it's interesting to me because it's like you know you know Bruce Springsteen you know wrote a song you know about uh, glory days right and typically that's a male <laughs> that's a male trope right the guy who mm-hmm. and I've known plenty of guys who like the best years of their lives were their high school years which is infinitely sad to me and here we have mm-hmm. a, a female protagonist who's really I mean I, I feel like in, in even in her mind like her best or at least in the town's mind her best days were this singular moment where she won the state championship like that was right. the that was the high water mark and and that's been like it you know what i mean and to yeah. to 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 live in that world and to not want to celebrate that mm. the way everybody else does like i think it's a really interesting choice right because we've seen mm-hmm. plenty of guys we've seen plenty of stories where the guy is living in the past and can't let it go and is like in this kind of arrested development Mare is embodying right. that in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Dean, anything? Oh, uh, just, uh, just listening to w- what Brian was just saying and just thinking about her character, she just has to put up with so much. You know, like I, I said, you know, she was instantly world-weary and mm-hmm. uh, the scene where she chases, she chases the burglar, and 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 you know rolls her ankle, and then and and then the um, the the other cop turns up, and she's she's talking to the to the burglar through his bedroom door. She knows he's there. He knows he knows that he's there, and he's freaking out. And uh, the other the uh, the male cop, and she's like. Just put your head between your legs and clench your fists and breathe. You know, okay, now, all right. Did you notice how she told him to get out of the doorway? (laughs) This is how long I've been working in procedurals. When that rookie cop was standing in the doorway, I'm like, get the fuck out of the doorway. Get the fuck out of the doorway. Don't you know somebody with a shotgun can blast right through a closed door? Sit over there. So she deals with him and then she deals with the perp and she's like, all right, I'm going to give you two minutes, right? And then she's down and she waits. And it's just she knows... She doesn't kick the door down with a gun going, freeze, motherfucker, uh, you know, none of that stuff. It's like, no, 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 that's like, it's not like yeah, that. No, no, she's no. just, she just knows. Yeah, yeah, coping yeah. with everything on a daily basis. In fact, it's, we haven't... Yeah, amazing. And, and mm. we haven't seen her gun. We haven't seen her gun throughout the episode at all. Mm, by, interesting. By virtue of yeah. the coat she wears and the layer she wears, like, it doesn't make an appearance in the first episode. And one thing that some of the women who watch this show will may feel like me. So Kate Winslet has my body, basically. We have the same sort of not Hollywood skinny body. And when she jumps over that fence, and it's clearly her. It's not a stunt double. Like, that's exactly how I would jump over a fence and fall on my ass and turn my ankle. And I loved it. And well, I'll get to another part later that really reminded me of me. But anyway, but just staying with Mayor. So she's getting ready to go to this tribute, you know. So this is like the 25th anniversary of this, you know, state championship basketball team. And she was on this team. And, um... And I love how she goes to, she gets dressed up in her, maybe her nicest 
shirt, you know, and jeans. And she goes to her friend Lori's house, her best friend, who was also on the basketball team with her back in the day. And Lori's played by the amazing Julianne Nicholson. And I just love, um, I just love the ease. I mean, it's a lot of shows try to show people who are best friends, who are at ease together. But I really bought it with um, this pair, you know, Mare and Lori. And, you know, Mare comes into the house and knows all the kids. And they have this great inclusive casting of Lori's daughter, Moira. Yeah, so you, you walk in and she's, and she's like looking at the, the daughter Moira saying, anybody, you know, mess with you at school? Because let me know because I'll go kick their ass. You know what I mean? Um, I love that inclusive casting. What did you, what did you think about that? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, my, my first thought was like, um, I, I hearken back to Corky. I mean, that was like my first yeah. thought. You know what I mean? Like, and how good Corky was. You know what I mean? Like in... What was the name of the show? Do you remember? Um, yeah, I know. Oh, God, what was it? Something Best Life. Picket Fences? No, something? it wasn't Picket Fences. Oh. It, uh, okay. Not well, my we'll so-called it life. It was, Patty Lapone was in it. Mm-hmm. And they had, and Corky. And, like, I love yeah. that casting because it's, like, um, because she's so good in it. I mean, she's so present. And mm-hmm. she's, she's just a, a kid. A, she's it's just a even... sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of. It's just a matter of course. Like she is a part of this family, right? And they, they bring. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that it's it's an amazing little piece of casting that like gives it such a nice little layer. It's a real family. It's real. Yeah. yeah. It's like this is yeah. And uh, as we'll see in other episodes, she's just treated like a you know like a normal kid. It's like that's the her Down syndrome is not the crux of her character right. or an issue in the show, which is what you know. This is what we're cast. This is what we're striving for as casting directors, Dean. We're really striving for inclusion in roles that are not you know broken down to to have that you know as a characteristic. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, echoes of our last episode on Tucci and the discussion about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about right. actors playing Just real quick, it was, roles. the show was Life Goes In On. commas, as of two. Chris Burke playing yeah. Corky yeah. Thatcher. Okay, so we're at the, we're at the tribute, we're at the high school basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um... Oh man, this is like so small town. This basketball game, twenty-five years ago, still has such cachet that everybody's showing up to honor these five, you know, whatever, forty-something, fifty-something ladies. Um, but it's great, and as you, as we've said before, um, it's revealed that Mare is on this team, Lori is on this team, Bethy, who's we met earlier, her her brother, you know, broke into her house on this team. Um, and Dawn, Dawn, now you realize how close, you know, Mare was to Dawn and they have that little tiff. It was just a great scene. It's just like, you know, just like going after each other. Miss Lady Hawk herself. Um, um, we just skipped a little bit of Erin, uh, on her little pink bike. Now I clocked that pink bike right away. I don't know if you did, Bri. Yeah. Or Dean. So, you know, Aaron, no, we see I, I her as this, it. as Brian has said, this surrogate wife to her dad, this teenage mom. But when she gets out of that house, you know, she goes to her little girlfriends and they're just like, tit, 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 you know, just little, you know, um, canoodling in her room. Everything is pink in that room with her little teenage mm. girlfriend talking about boys. And then Aaron goes out on her little bike, you know, to the woods, to this party. And it's just... She's just um, signaling to me that she's still such a kid, right? She's still such a kid. And she goes into that party and she sees her old classmates and is like, hey, guys. And you can feel the awkwardness between them because she is an other now. She's not one of them anymore. She's not a kid anymore, even though she's the same age. And, um, oh, one thing I really loved is when she was over at her friend Jess's house and, you know, her friend Jess is like, God, you're not going to meet this guy in the woods. That's not a good idea. And 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 Aaron's like, well, you know, I will. And then Jess calls her mom into the room. And this is how you I, I just love this little detail. So the mom comes in and is like, 
well, let me put makeup on you. You know, let's get you ready, you know, for if you're going to have this date. It's not a mom. Like in a normal Hollywood movie, it would be the mom would be like, don't be near my daughter, you slut, you know, or <laughs> you're you're going to make my daughter get pregnant if you're pregnant. You know what I mean? There would be this judgment. And instead, there's this acceptance that, yeah, you're still my daughter's friend and you don't have a mom. And here, I'm going to, you know, make you look you know, feel pretty for your date. I just thought that was a very interesting little detail that, you know, you, you don't, you don't get that much from the, the paint by numbers kind of teen mom sort mm, of, yeah. sort of movies. Um, any hoodle. Um, so Erin goes into the woods. Um, she chats up her, as we said, her classmates. And then we find out, uh Oh, she's been catfished, right? Terrible Brianna, fucking Dylan and all these other motherfuckers come out and make fun of her that they actually, you know, tricked her that there is no Brendan. She's just been catfished and it's so cold. It's such a, Oh my God. Almost like a psychotic scene where they're tor tormenting her emotionally. And, but I know this happens. Mm. I mean, I know that this happens. Well, and, it, well uh, it's, a, it's an act of brutality. Yes. It ends up being an act of brutality, not just emotionally, but physically. I mean, Brianna, mm -hmm. like, and that's what I mean, like, Brianna can scrap and mm -hmm. will scrap. I mean, like, you know, she's even, Aaron's even warned, like, Brianna's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Don't go. You know what I mean? Because she is somebody to be feared. And, mm -hmm. and, and that character, like, she delivers. She delivers the goods. And <laughs> oh, she's man. like... You know, vicious she will cut she'll cut a bitch that's right and there's no you know, normally in a hollywood movie dylan would be like you could see him being torn like oh this isn't right what you're doing but no he's just like right. totally distanced yeah. from it he's like yeah fucking beat her up i don't care i mean it's so so cold yeah but i found it completely believable And so, Brian, uh, Brian, did you say earlier that this guy, this is like the second thing he's written, or or, or it's thereabouts? It's the first TV show he's is written. He... he he's written and produced some films, but this is the first series. Yeah, and he did not base it on a book, which I thought it was based on a book, but it's not based on a book. It's based on a town that he grew up in, and so he knows this world. Well, he had a conversation with a cop friend of his, who mm -hmm. who's a cop in a small town, just like this. And kind of based it around that incredible that conversation. Right, right. Um, okay, so I just want to cut back to Kate Winslet. So she, you know, after this, this you know tribute at the bas at the high school, she goes to the bar, you know, and uh, I love this little scene where she comes up to the bar, and there is Mister Guy Pierce in all his scraggly glory with his long hair <laughs> and his sweater and gray and his. And gray and looking like he's had a few too many Jameson, a few too many nights. Um, and, uh, you know, at first, Mare's a little bit like, get the fuck away from me. And then he sort of gets into her graces and she's like, why not? You know, she sees her ex-husband come in the bar and she's like, you know what? Can we go somewhere? <laughs> and... The next thing you know, they're on the couch. You know, she's cowboying or cowgirling him. And I loved her body. I'm like, folks, if you're gonna, if, if I'm going to cowboy you, that's what I'm going to look like. Uh, here's, so. This is the, okay, this is the only problem. And I, I have this, I have this issue with big stars who do sex scenes in mm -hmm. this manner. The fact that she mm -hmm. still wears her bra, I've, like, oh. Like I don't buy that for. I mean, like, I've you're never, not a girl. Well, I've never 100%. listen. Listen, I've never been one. I've never 100%. been. I've, I've never been. I've never in my entire life been with a woman who kept her bra on during sex. Never. I always keep mine on. Ugh. Always. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. These are these are like working breasts. Okay, they have fed people. Sure. Okay, I got you. And I feel better when this is on, and I feel like, oh, it's kind of sexy that I have this on. You know, sometimes it'll come off, but no, one hundred percent with a stranger, 
she's not even taking her shirt off. I mean, she's keeping as much on as she possibly can to get it done. I 100% feel like it, I feel like it's as a, a cop out. It's, it's, to yeah, me it's a well, cop as out. a female, I'm telling you, that is the most authentic thing. It would be a cop out for Hollywood to be like, do 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 do, Vaseline lens and no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, keep the same and, shot. No, keep the same shot. But it's like I, I just. I, well, we have two different lived experiences, sure, sure. and I'm telling you, sure. this bra is not coming off for Brad Pitt or Guy Pierce or you or Dean <laughs> or anybody. It's staying on. Not Hang even on. for Brad not Pitt. Even He's for Brad seen Pitt. better. Come on. <laughs> that, I mean, but, but oh I mean, that is God. the thing. That's the self-conscious <laughs> thing, Brian, that women feel like their body is not good enough. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, staying no, I, covered I, I, with the sheet or with your coat or with, you know, up against the wall. And so I you feel don't like it's, see it's anything, a Hollywood you know. conceit. It's a Hollywood conceit that I mean, that I've seen in television, right, where it's like it, it just doesn't smack of realism to me. And again, like we have different experiences, yeah. but I've never been with a woman I, who's I felt- never like I've never been physically with a woman where she's kept her bra on during sex. Never, never. Well, then I guess you're lucky. You have people who don't have inhibitions, but especially an older woman, a mom who did not expect to, you know. Who the fuck are you talking to? I'm 50 years old. I'm not dating 20 year olds. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, look, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you as a as a female, yeah. and that's your experience, and this is my experience, and it, it that that made it more real for me. What what the Hollywood normal norm is, and you know this, is to get her in her nice Victoria's Secret lingerie and have him unclasp in one move her bra and and all of those clutches i mean that's the hollywood i mean kate winslet has bared her tits before i mean it's not like she's not willing to do that right so for her not to do that means that she's not taking off her armor you know what i mean she she probably would rather have her gun on her and fuck him right rather than take it off so for me anyway i mean i hear what you're saying but for me it that made it feel more real um i love this line though you know he's like you know can can you stay and she's like oh i gotta take my grandson to school and he's like you're a grandma and she's like did i fuck like a grandma <laughs> you know <laughs> shut the fuck up you know this is what i'm saying i mean this is the self you know this is what we're up against as women you know um anywho um bloop 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 bloop. okay um and just what i loved about you know all the women in this town have a similar hardness they have a similar weariness that i just really really loved um you see mayor go home and she has this sweet this is where you you get a little bit more revelation she takes her grandson to the potty and she you know, lays him in his bed and cuddles with him. And he says, I want to name my turtle Kevin because my dad's name is Kevin. Did my dad like turtles? And then, so you realize that it's her son that was his father. And apparently he's no longer with us. Um, And you see this little boy like blink, blink, blinking his eyes. And you'll find out later what that means. But anyway, last scene. It's in the morning. Everybody's waking up, right? Siobhan is waking up in bed with Jess. Faith is waking up with David Denman. Um, little DJ is screaming in his crib and Dylan's picking him up. Brianna's waking up. She's annoyed as hell at this kid. Um, um, and then uh, in the riverbed, you have a slow pan to see a naked body. Uh, in the river, and you see that it's poor Erin with her eyes open. And she has a gash over her that was eyebrow. The, I, I, that was the best. That was the best like um, death stare mm, that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That I've ever seen mm-hmm. on an actress being filmed. Like it was mm-hmm. awful. It was really yeah. realistic and terrible. But I mean, it looked. Like, I mean, like if you look at. Um, you know, they call it the eight ball, right? Um, you know, like uh, Paul G, uh, not Paul Giamatti, uh, Castellano, Paul Castellano. No, Paul Castellano was the one who got, and I've seen photos of, of him and it's like, and the blood like collects, you know, mm-hmm. in the, the whites mm-hmm. of the eyes. And to see that in her, it was mm-hmm. just, it was so disturbing because so often it, so often we see like somebody die and then it's like, it's just their eyes, you know? And I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I know that they're, 
They're pretending. Right. Okay, great. But this, you see it and you just go, Jesus fucking Christ. She's like yeah. a corpse. And it's just like, it's awful. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like next level, like disturbing. Yeah. So in my line of work, this is, you know, a Tuesday. You know, like I've seen so many scenes like this where um, a victim is revealed in a horrific way. But yes, this was... Um, this was terrible. It's always and it's always interesting to me to see uh, a woman who's only half nude, like the things that the killer leaves on you, and strips from you, tells you who the killer is. You know, tells you what their thoughts are, tells you what they think of the victim, and how they're dumped tells you what they think of the victim. So if you find somebody who's, you know, buried, I mean, Dean knows this. If you find a victim who's buried and and they're buried like kind of in a certain way, you know that the killer felt remorse, right? Um, but if they're just laid out like that, the killer, it was probably not a stranger. It was probably somebody who hated this person. Um, or anyway, there's there's a million ways that we could profile it. So it's just, I'm looking at that very closely because I'm looking for clues um, that I feel like, you know, in the second episode, we'll, we'll get to this on another day. The second episode for me was, was not as strong as this episode because my procedural uh, red flags were going off all over the place. Um, but anyway, so Aaron is dead. We, we end this uh, pilot episode as we began. We, we end it with Mare waking up, right? And in her morning haze, she sees a boy, an older boy sitting across from her. And you kind of realize it's a ghost. Perhaps it's her son, Kevin. And her phone rings, just like it did in the beginning of the episode. And it, she gets news that there's a dead girl in the river. So that is the first episode of Mare of Easttown. I, I came away from this. My heart was singing. I was so... Um, Woo, enthused. But then, Dean, I was like, you know what? I've been burned before. I've been burned by great beginnings. You know, beginnings sometimes can be easy. It's tying up, and Brian knows this very well from uh, from some of the shows that have burned him, that tying up all this shit is hard, and you better follow through with every loop, every string. It's got to be a payoff every time. It's got to be a payoff. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. It's... It's not easy, is it? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's you know a sixty-minute or forty-eight-minute app or something, and to pack uh, mm -hmm. what we've just <laughs> what we've just gone through, to pack all of that into that, and then do it again and again hard, and again but... and again and again. It's uh, you know from from a, from a, yeah from an outsider's perspective, I just think it is an incredibly difficult process. Uh, it, it strikes me. And, uh, you know, you guys are in the business, uh, but, and any part of it can let you down. You know, it, it, like you, uh, Lisa, sometimes it's a, what did you say <laughs> last? It was a wig. Exactly. Someone's wig set you <laughs> off. Uh, Stanley Tucci's wig, right? And it's like, I and it's know. like, ah, you know, like, so the wig making the movie for you, you know, it's like everybody, it's, it's the weakest link in the chain, and there's so many in the chain of making film and TV, I just, uh, in some ways, I'm glad I don't have to look mm -hmm. at it through your eyes. Yeah. There are other things that I do look at that I, I have in knowledge of, and I go, no, that's bullshit, 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 bullshit. No, eh, that's, that's real. Um, but I'm pleased that I can just enjoy this um, art for what it is and not have to be permanently just going nuts. Nah, well, we don't nah, want to do that, right, Brian? We don't. We don't <laughs> no, want to. No. It's just. It, it just pops into my face. So, like, how binging has impacted how people tell stories? Because I remember. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I first moved back here the second time, and I was staying with you and Paul, I was binging Suits. Mm -hmm. Great series, but here's the thing: like, I remember like watching episodes and going oh they used this b-roll of the cityscape in the previous in like mm -hmm. episode two episodes ago like how has it changed how we view these stories because it used to be yeah. obviously you just get so you're not going to be conscious of like oh like the cityscape b-roll 
that they insert yeah. here and there. You know what I mean? That we now become conscious of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like no, it is. Or like with twenty four, like the the thing of twenty four that makes me crazy is like the whole thing of the the roller coaster, right? Where it's like you know the the arc of the storytelling is it's you know ascending action and then it's down and then it's up and every episode is ascending action mm -hmm. it's down and it's up it's you know so it's like it's like this kind of like ah uh, it's too much but if you only sing it one week at a time it's not as jarring probably but yeah so this is a good point that hbo max is dropping this one week at a time you know, Handmaid's Tale dropped three episodes at once and I could I couldn't get enough. I mean, so that's the thing. I mean, I'm appreciating this because we can kind of take our time covering it instead of trying to binge, you know, all eight episodes at once. But um, man, I'm used to binging. I wait till a series is over and then I get into it. And when I get into it, I'm like in a fog. I'm in a I'm in a like a limbo I've, world it's so weird you know? I, I fell into a scrubs rabbit hole the other day because mm -hmm. they're they're playing it on ifc and so i went back to hulu and started watching like season yeah, eight and season we nine did that too. yeah yeah. and yeah. it's like and i i love that show but their co-stars are terrible like by <laughs> and large their co-star like are really if you look back at their like they're really mm -hmm. terrible. And I'm not talking about the guest stars. I'm talking about like the marginal, like on the fringe kind of people. Like they're really mm -hmm. fucking awful. <laughs> and it's like, and it, it's kind of like hard to watch because of that. Because it's like, I'm very conscious uh -huh. of like, they got a bad actor in this role who's now a kind of recurring co-star. And it's like, oh. uh, not good. Thank you for breaking down the first episode of Mayor of Easttown. We'll, you know, we'll get into the rest of it. Um, because I'd love to talk to you about how it moves on from here and if it delivers or doesn't. Oof, that's that's a hard one. So anyway, for now, for Killer Casting, this is me and my sexy, sexy beasts riding them cowboy, cowgirl style, <laughs> signing out. Killer Casting was created and produced by Lisa Zambetti. Sound editing by Dean Laffin from Real World Productions. Logo art by April Laffin. Theme music provided by Amphibious Zoo Music. And Big Fat Opinions provided by Brian Allen Hill.